Thank you. I was just very distracted over there, annoying Josh Connett. Um, hey, well, it's good to be here and good to be here with you as well. And um, all the Newcastle crew, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, there's, hi, all these people I haven't seen yet. Hey, good to see you. Um, it's wonderful, obviously, to, uh, to be with you guys and... Um, Thank you for all the care over the last week. We did have a bunch of fires up there last week and cancelled my first time I've ever seen a church service cancelled, but we had massive fires and we were thinking, oh, you know, it might be over by tomorrow. And then on the way home, we almost drove, well, we did drive through a fire. And so I'm like, glad we didn't have to do, you know, have our whole congregation do that. So, but all the people contacted and checked that we were okay and gave and all sorts of stuff. We, we really want to say thanks. And um, thanks as well to your team, to the team here at Newcastle and your Campus Pastor, Pastor Dave and Beck. Uh, Pastor Dave's at Maitland tonight. and uh, Yeah, it's just, you guys are awesome and thanks for having us. And we're going to have some fun tonight, yeah? Yeah. Um, we're going to go to Matthew 13 and we're going to start reading uh, from there, uh, verse 1. And we're going to have some fun. We're going to unpack some scripture. And uh, if you've ever read the Bible and got nothing out of it tonight, I'm hoping that by the end of tonight you can read it and you can like understand stuff and that the Bible will make sense to you and do something great in your life, because I know it's done something amazing in mine. So that's my prayer for you tonight. But verse 1 says this, it's a story. That same day Jesus went over and out of the house and sat by the lake. Uh, such large crowds were gathered around him that he had to get in a boat and sit in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quick, quickly um, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell amongst the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him because they were kind of like, that's a bit of a strange story. Like you, you want to hear the wisdom from Jesus and he starts telling you about a guy who sowed seed. So they came to him and said, why do you speak in parables? Jesus says, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they do have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though, they, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this uh, people's heart has become calloused. They can hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might be able to see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see, but did not see it and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what this parable is so mean. So he's given them a bit of a rant, right? And, and tried to like paint the picture of like this. And so I hope you followed that. But, but then he goes, this is what the parable of the soul means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches that away, which was sown in their heart. This is a seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
Then trouble or persecution comes because of the word and they quickly fall away. The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. And this is one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times, which was sown. Jesus talked in parables and and, and, and for some people, even the people who heard it at the time were confused. So I start to wonder, what about us who 2,000 years ago, we weren't there? How are we going to go with this? Like The people who were there are like, right. So for us, we're reading a, just words on a page and sometimes we go, right. The reason Jesus talked in parables I, I, on a couple of levels, um, mostly I believe is because he, had, he, he realized this, but not many other people did, that he wasn't just communicating to those who were in front of him. He was communicating to the next millennia, couple of millennia of people. See, Jesus understood this, but no one else did, that we would be reading this verse in 2019, a couple of thousand years after it was spoken. And so for Jesus, he had to speak in a way that was going to actually connect with people. He was dealing with cross-cultural communication issues that no one knew existed yet. For me, um, I've had a few cross-cultural communication issues. If you've traveled, you've had cross-cultural communication issues. Uh, When we went to uh, Thailand a few years ago, we were driving along literally a cliff face. You know those roads where they're cut into the side of a cliff, and so on this side is a wall, and on this side of the car is a sheer edge? And so we're driving along and we're in the back of, of, a, of a ute because that's what they do. They have five people in there and six in the back and that's how you move 11 people in Thailand. And so we're, we're in the back. You can look over and you can see your impending death right there. And so you're driving through and so the pastor sees the fear on these five little white kids from Australia's face and goes, I'm going to ease their, their fear and teach them a local song that we have. So he goes, I'll teach you a song. It's very simple and all it, does, all it says is lumberjoy Oi, Lumberjoy. We're like, we can, we can do that. And so he just starts singing, Lumberjoy, Oi, Lumberjoy, all the way along. We're like, this is catchy. So it got into our head. We're like, Lumberjoy, joining in. We're all singing the song quickly. Forgot we're driving along the edge of a cliff. We get to the village and we're, we're walking around. But now this song is stuck in our head. We're walking around going, Lumberjoy, Oi, Lumberjoy. And Jonathan, the guy who had taught us, John Jonathan, was like, um, Look, all it means is we're really happy, we're not afraid, like it's, it's a positive song about joy. We're like, great, we can sing that, we're on the edge of a cliff. So we're at this village singing, Lumberjoy, oh, Lumberjoy, and our interpreter comes to us. He says, could you stop singing the song? We're going, yes, we know it's catchy, it's annoying, it's repetitive, but look, it's just in our heads, it'll be in your head soon, you won't have to worry about it. She goes, no, 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 you don't understand. The words literally say, this place sucks, and we don't want to be here. So we're in a village in the north of Cambodia going, your village sucks. Like, So cross-cultural communication is a fairly decent issue, not to mention you've got to then communicate to the next 2,000 years of humanity. And so Jesus, his goal was not to sit on a boat and kind of go, um, all right, here's your 15 things you need to understand. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Because we understand the goal of Jesus was not to get us to understand this, uh, this set of rules or, or, or all this complex literature. He, he wanted us to understand him. The goal for Jesus was not to know about him, but to actually know him. 
And there's plenty of people who've been in churches. There's plenty of people out there who would call themselves even atheists who know about God, but they actually don't know Him. And so for, for, for him to get us to actually understand who he is, he'll tell these stories that could go across generation and across people. So take, for instance, if I want you to get to know my wife, I could do a couple of things. Firstly, I could make a brochure with all her likes and all her dislikes, and on one side would be like sunsets, and the other side would be like slow drivers on the lake's way in Foster Tuncurry. And uh, you want to see my wife get angry, um, you just drive in at 80 in the 100 zone on the lake's way. And uh, whew. anyway, <laughs> she, she's an angry elf at that point, so I'd put that on. The, and so here's that, or I could have you around for dinner. One, you'll know about Steph. The other one, you'll actually know her. And so the whole purpose of what Jesus was trying to do by telling these parables was actually for us to get to know him. So he'd share these stories. And so why did he share a story about farmers? One, uh, mainly is because he was talking to them. Back then, they would have all been farmers. How do I know? Because for them to be alive, they would have had to farm. If they didn't farm, they starved. That's how you got food back then. There's no going to the Woolworths fresh food section and just picking out a few of your favorite veggies for the night. No, they actually grew them. Every like month they had to harvest and they would do and they would go through this process. And that, that's what they had to do in order to survive. And so Jesus was talking to farmers, but also he knows that this is going to go like seeds grow. That is like a human fact that we're going to work with for the next couple of thousand years. And so even today, no one here, like yesterday, went out and sowed a crop of barley in their backyard. But you hear a story about someone sowing a seed, and even in 2019, you understand basic biology enough to get what he's talking about. And so the, the intelligence of what Jesus has shared, because had he been on the boat and gone, hey guys, look at this right here. Look how this works like that. And this is all fantastic. See how that, yeah, awesome. Well, that's, all, that's the lesson for today. 2019, we're reading it going, what was he pointing to? So he talked in these ways. He, he, he did this. And so for us, it's, it's, it, we have to understand these kinds of things. And, and so for me, when I was growing up reading the Bible, I often struggled because I'd read it and I'd be like, why is he talking about seeds? Why is he talking about this? Why is he talking about that? And so for me, reading my Bible was quite dry. The whole point of the series is actually to start to really go a little bit deeper than just, I read the Bible today, tick in the Christian box. And actually go, I, I want this scripture to mean something to me. Really simply, in two minutes, I want to teach you how I read the Bible, which helps me understand it. Firstly, I, when I read a scripture, I just observe what's happening. I start asking some questions. Here's some basic questions you can ask. Firstly, who's in the scripture? Like, who are the actual people in it? What are the characters? What are the different elements of the scripture? Like, what's actually happening? Um, secondly, um, what are they doing? Thirdly, oh, that's a good spit. Thirdly, why are they doing it? Fourthly, is it good that they are doing it or is it bad that they're doing that? And, and those simple questions alone will help you unpack scripture in a new way at a greater level than you've ever done. Hey, hang on, why, why do you do that? That's a bit odd. Okay, is it good that he did that? Well, yeah, he healed someone. I guess that's good. You start to actually get a picture of what's actually happening. So firstly, you observe. Secondly, start to apply it to your life. You can start to ask, should I do that? 
do I do that? Should I stop doing that? I mean, they did, they went and healed, they went and prayed for someone who was sick. Do I pray for people who are sick? Should I pray for people who are sick? It actually starts to break it down. You start to understand and unpack. And the more you ask questions, the more you start to understand what's happening. And then you get to apply it to your life and really unpack it. So for us, I want to unpack this story and go just start to ask some questions about this story. So for me, when I started reading this scripture, I started just looking at who's the characters in the story. So there's three real elements to this story. There's one, the seed. Two, uh, and, and, and well, we'll focus on that first. So the seed, what does it represent? What Jesus is talking about, he's literally talking about the teachings he's giving. He's talking about the miracles, the power, the relationships he's having, the life he's leading, the goodness he's bringing to the planet Earth. He's talking about, if you can watch and observe and listen to what I'm saying, then, then you will actually, and you actually unpack that into your life, you're going to get this out of it. He's, he's literally saying, my life is a seed. Watching my life is like seed to your life. Listening to my words is like seed to your life. And at that point you go, well, that's great for the people who were there, but Jesus isn't here. Like Jesus hasn't been on earth for a couple of thousand years. How am I meant to watch what he did? How am I meant to just listen to the words that he said? All I've got is this Bible that just words on a page. And if I don't read it, then I don't know. And we're kind of in this pickle at the moment. But here's the thing. For me, I know that Jesus is still speaking. And so for me, I still talk to Jesus. I still have a relationship with him. And while he's not here, because it would be farcical for Jesus to still be around in 2019, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. We'll join the line of 7.5 billion other people who want that too. You, know, you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you've got to wait for him to drive past in not the Pope mobile, a little Jesus mobile, and he'll wave at you and you'll wave back and you're like, I had a relationship with Jesus. Like, it would be farcical. So, so nowadays though, he, he, he still speaks to us through his spirit and we can have this relationship with him. And we've talked about this plenty of times. And if you don't, uh, you don't have a relationship with God where you hear his voice, then talk to someone and go, I want to have that relationship with Jesus. Go to your connect group leader and, and go, I want to have that. Because for me, that was a life changer when I started to get this relationship with Jesus. But also, his miracles are still happening today. I mean, even the other week, I was chatting with my workmate. And, and she's talking about how she's got eczema at the moment. I said, you know what? I believe that Jesus can heal. She goes, oh, I went to church a while ago. And then I went to the, I think, um, Jehovah's Witness for a while. And now I'm away from church. And I'm like, but I believe Jesus can heal. She goes, do you reckon he can heal my eczema? I said, yeah, I reckon he can. So I prayed for her. And she comes back the next day. She goes, all the eczema has left my hands. Like it was excruciating. She goes, but, but he hasn't healed my body. And I'm like, it's weird because he just healed from like my wrist down. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have done it like that. But cool, Jesus. Like, you healed her hands. Like, so I'm sitting there at the desk going, well, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> but then she comes to me the next week. She goes, you wouldn't believe it. I've had eczema in my whole life. And unlike, because I, I prayed for her on Thursday. She goes, over the weekend, my mom came to me and said, I got sick of your eczema and I've gone and researched and I've realized that there's all these diets and all these things that you can actually do. And so I've cooked you all this food to, to help you with your eczema and I've done all this research and I reckon if I help you with this, with this diet and we help do a life change with you, then maybe this eczema and she goes, by, by Wednesday when I got there, she goes, all my eczema is gone. I'm three days into this diet. And she goes, 
And her words, she goes, I don't know why God didn't fully heal me. He only healed my hands. But I reckon it's a miracle because my mom's never done that. I'm 30 years old and my mom has never been this interested or this invested in my... And, and like our, I'm like, there's a miracle in their relationship now. I'm going, maybe God was doing a greater miracle than just healing some skin. God's still working today. <laughs> the seeds he sowed way back then, he's still sowing today. And, and so the seed is still good. The seed hasn't changed in 2,000 years. And so the seed is in this story, is the same seed he's talking, the same that, uh, sorry, that he's talking about in this story, is the same seed we're interacting with today. So the second character we have is the soil. And Jesus goes to great, great lengths uh, to explain the soil. And at this point, I want to highlight the team who brilliantly set this up. And, uh, and we're, we're experts in making a little vista for us. And so I think we should give a clap for the team. And uh, thank you so much. It looks, looks beautiful. Hey, Bells. Lovely touch. I don't know what happened to the purple feathers from this morning, but I really wish they were still here. Um, I think I offended someone this morning because they had purple feathers. And I kind of built them into the story because there were birds that came and ate the seed. And so I was using the feathers as a bird. And I thought it was great touch to the message. I thought, because I, I, I mean, I said after last time, I refuse to preach at Newcastle if there's not purple feathers. And so they fixed it and now they're gone again. And so uh, next time, purple feathers or I'm not getting up here. But we've got this vista to kind of show because Jesus goes into great lengths to explain it. And so uh, we've got the pavers to represent the road. And then we've got rocks to represent the rocks, um, which is great. Um, and we've got weeds here. Uh, I was staying at Toronto. We sent some kids out to look for some weed, but what they came back with was a little bit inappropriate. But <laughs> that, I'm getting... Sorry, Pastor Beck. <laughs> So we've got some weeds, and then we've got some good soil to represent the good soil. And I'm sure that's got like Osmocote in it and all the good stuff. So, so let's go through these, because let's, let's unpack this, because Jesus went to great lengths. So firstly, we've got the road. Um, and, and so the road is not capable of growing anything. Literally, you put seed on it, and birds come and eat it. It gets trampled into the ground. And, and who is Jesus trying to paint the picture of here? He, he's painting picture, people who are resistant to the Word of God, who literally go, I'm not interested. He's trying to paint the picture of an atheist, uh, paint the picture of someone from another religion who's like, I don't want you, God. I'm not, I'm not interested. And so he's trying to paint this picture of someone who's hard-hearted, closed off, not interested. Um, the second soil that he, that he talks about is a rocky soil. And there's a little bit of soil in around it, but mostly just rock. And so who he's trying to paint the picture of here is someone who's capable of grabbing the seed, but only for a short amount of time because there's not enough room between the rocks. So who's he trying to paint the picture of here? Well, he's trying to paint the picture of someone whose life is full. Uh, there's rock, which means inflexivity. Like, it's just not flexible. He's trying to paint a picture of hardness in their life. Like, there's a, there's a rigidity. There's a, there's a structure that just won't give any room for anything else. And they want to grow, but they can't because there's just no room for growth in their life. And for us, we've all met this kind of person. The person who's always busy, 
The uni student who's like, I have to study like 12 hours a week, like 12 hours of classes. Can you believe it? I often say about uni students, you, you have to study 24-7, two weeks a year. That's what I used to do anyway. But then you've got the person who gets the new job and they're looking for 40 hours a, a week plus overtime, which is unpaid, but you try to impress the boss. And, and, and then there's the kids that come along. And, and, and it gets to the point, so many people, their life is so full that they can't actually receive the fullness that God has for them. It, it's, it's a picture of rock, which is hardness and, and rigid. Almost this place where going, I'd love for something to grow in this soil, but I don't want to move. I, I, I don't want to have to change the structure I've got. I, I, don't want to have to, I don't want to have to change anything that I do. Like the kid goes to bed at one and will go to bed at one, whether I like it or he likes it or not. And I, I'm just never going to compromise this or I'm never going to compromise this part of my life. And, and, and it's this, this lack of flexibility that gets into our life where we we actually go, you know what, God, your plans for my life and what you want to put in is second to the structure that I have, second to the structure that I've built in my life. It's almost like the soil wants the seed, but it loves the rocks more. And when God wants to grow amongst the, so the, seal with the, uh, the, the soil with the seal, <laughs> just had images of me sowing barley at the summer seals. What are you doing? But when God sows his seed on this soil, the rocks refuse to move to allow God to do what he wants to do. And it ends up being a pride where it's like, God, my structure trumps your plan. My structure trumps your seed. And so when the seed tries to grow, it can't. And so everything that God wants to establish in the rocky soil dies. The third picture is the one of the weeds. And it's, it's soil that can take seed, but it's full of the wrong stuff. The seed could grow if we weren't cultivating all this other stuff in it. Who is he talking about there? You know those people who they're always complaining and they're like, it's one thing after the next. You know what I found is after talking to many, many people in my life, we all have one thing after the next. There's just a number of people who talk about the one thing after the next, and there's a bunch of people who are just dealing with the one thing after the next, that they're getting in community to deal with their one thing after the next, and they're actually fixing the one thing after the next, but there's some people who they literally just go from one issue to the next issue to the next issue, and here's the thing, if they ever run out of an issue, they'll go and find someone else's issue and make it their own. <laughs> Have you ever met one of those people? They're like, oh. and you know them, because you go, hey, how's life going? Oh, it's all good, but Michelle, have you heard about Michelle? Like, no, I haven't heard of him. Oh, Michelle, oh, I've just been over their place for the last 14 hours, like straight, just sitting with them, talking about all the bad stuff that's happening. I'm like, man, did you come up with 14 hours? You would have come up with a solution by now. No, no, it's just terrible what's happening. And it's like, whoa. Like, and so if anything ever went right, I don't know what they'd do. Like their brain would spin and their head would fall off. And they're just like, I don't know what to do because it's not one thing after the other. Um, it's, it's a person who gets caught in drama. They're so full of worry. Their, their, their life is dominated by this worry. Their life is dominated by issues. Their life is dominated by dysfunction. But here's the thing. What I've noticed about these people is that when I talk to them, the, the, it wasn't like one night they woke up and all the weeds were this high. 
It wasn't like they woke up one day and they went, oh, where'd that tree come from? That is so, that's a giant weed. How did it get there? Most of the time when you talk to them, you realize right back here it was about that big. And then they didn't deal with it. And then a couple of years later, it's this big. And someone came and talked to them and said, hey, look, I want to talk about the issues in your life. And they're like, what issues? And then they spend their whole life pretending like there's no issue because you know what? We've fooled everyone. Everyone here thinks you're perfect, right? No, no one's fooled at all. Like, because we're all like, we're all imperfect, but as long as no one thinks we are, we're good, right? And so they got through to 25. And 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 they're like, you know, I'm I'm doing a good job, but it's still messing things up and starting to like and and, and that's the thing. It eventually gets to the tree and we think, well, how'd it get there? Well, it started right back here. So many people, I mean, I, I chatted to them, and when they were 12, something went wrong. You know, their parents split up or, or, or something hard. They got bullied at school and, and set this dysfunction in, in place. And when they got to 25, it was ruining their, their work. They couldn't hold down a job because every boss they had, he was a mongrel. And so they, they kept going from job to job to job to job or girlfriend to girlfriend, boyfriend to boyfriend. And, and they went through all these issues or they kept going around the same mountain at 25. And, and, but they just pretended like everything was okay. But the problem was then they got married. And now their marriage is being derailed by this issue that had they had just dealt with it was only a tiny issue here, but now it's a mighty oak of dysfunction. And these people that he's talking about, they, they, God wants to sow in your soil, but you've allowed all these things to grow up in your life that every time God wants to do something, this, this giant oak of dysfunction just derails it. And God's painting this picture of someone whose priorities are out of whack. They're, uh, out of whack. They're, they're, they're ruled by their emotions or the situations of their life. They're caught up in their job or a toxic relationship. They want to impress the Joneses instead of moving away from them. And they want to talk about their problems more than fix them. And God's going, I, I come to these people, I sow seed. And, and, and eventually it starts to grow, but all the other stuff starts to grow around it and derail it. The fourth soil he talks about is good soil. It's able to take the message and it's able to have something grow and produce fruit inside of their life. And this is what the Word of God is all about. And this is what God is trying to do when he gets into a life. He's actually trying to, to grow something and establish something re remarkable amongst you. Um, here's the thing about the Bible is that the whole point of the gospel is not to just, uh, just to fix all the old bits of your life and who you used to be. The gospel repeatedly says my, the job and the priority of the Word of God is to transform your life, to make you a whole new person. And, and so when people who have allowed this process to happen within them, God shows, says, I put my seed in their life, this transformed human. And He says, that that seed produces a hundred, sixty, or thirty times multiplication of what he sowed. What he sowed. See, when you trans, when you're transformed by the word of God, there's a fruitfulness that can come to your life. There's a multiplication that occurs when in your life when you apply God's word. Word. And this place is full of people who want to be good soil. This place is full of people who go, you know what? I want God to be able to sow in my life. And do great things. I, I want to be the best version of myself that I can. But here's the thing. The hallmark of the good soil was not that it was good soil. Just like the hallmark of Christianity wasn't good Christianity. Like being in church every Sunday, brilliant decision. But you can be in church every Sunday and still not be good soil. 
And so the challenge is set to us because the hallmark of good soil, if you look at it, was fruitfulness. 75% of the soils didn't produce any fruit. I'm sweating up here like nothing else, in case you didn't notice. Three out of the four soils didn't produce any fruit. Even the weed soil, it grew, but it says it didn't bear any fruit. And so what God's actually trying to produce in your life is fruitfulness. And so the test of, fruitful, the test of your heart condition is whether there's a multiplication of fruitfulness that's around your life. Now, what's the fruit about? Well, no soil grows seed and looks up and goes, that's for me. Seed is always for someone else. The soil produces seed, which is always consumed by someone else. And so the fruitfulness and multiplication God's trying to put in your life isn't about you. It's about the person around you. That, that, here's the thing. The test is that if someone could walk into this church and go, I got better because I walked in that church because I met a bunch of people who their fruitfulness and what they were trying to produce in their life was feeding into me. That, that as people, as Christians, do what God asks them to do. What we actually do is we produce a life that feeds the people around us. And so the test is, as a, as, a, as a spouse, is your spouse getting better because they're married to you? For your kids, are your kids getting better because they're in your home, in your workplace? Are your workmates getting better? That's fruitfulness. That's multiplication, that what your life is producing is starting to feed the people around you. The Bible calls it discipleship. The other people get better because we're there. And so these soils, Jesus is trying to paint this picture Because he wants to ask this question, which soil type are you? Where are you at? Now, if you're reading this in the Bible and following my plan, you'd start to go, well, I think I might be the rocks or might be the path. I don't know where I'm at. And you get to ask these questions about which part you're in. But then the next question for me is obvious. If I'm here, how do I get to the good soil? What's the process? Because we know that we don't like rock up, make say one prayer, do one thing, attend one service, and say we're good soil. We know that. We know it's a journey. We know no one gets to be this phenomenal life overnight. See, the message that Jesus is trying to paint is not just a challenge to where you're at. But it's also a challenge to what you're going to do about it. And so it's a challenge of preparation. Because if you talk to any farmer, you go, how do you get good soil? He'll go, it's all in the preparation. You talk to a farmer, and they will pour uh, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars into their soil. I chatted to a farmer once, and he put over $100,000 of fertilizer into his soil for that crop for that year. That's per year. And so the message is, is, the challenge comes in preparation. I mean, for some farmers, they'll actually take a year off their crops and plant like another crop that they then plow into the ground to get more vegetable matter into the ground. Wow, that word didn't come out. Why? Because they understand the value of preparing a soil to get good soil. So if this is a message of preparation, 
then my question to you then becomes, how ready are you for God to sow into your life? If God sowed into your life today, what would grow? What would happen to the, soil, to the, to the seed? Would it grow? Would it grow weird? Would it grow for a short season and then die and wither? It's a challenge for each and every single one of us to actually look at our heart and go, where am I at? And at this point, you go, great message. That's a good challenge. I mean, I could stop there and I think we'd have something to, something to go home with. And, and, and at the end of the day, where's this message coming from? When, when you become a pastor, I just let you into the little world of becoming a pastor. You, you, you got to do Bible college and stuff like that. And then they'll pray for you. They go, oh, you're a pastor now. That's it? Yep, that's it. Great. You got to do like a couple of years and prove yourself and all these kinds of things. But when they're praying for you, don't go back to your seat and suddenly like you eyes are changed and you can see the invisible ink on the piece of paper and you're like oh man I didn't realize it said all this stuff man all these plebs who don't have these eyes like oh my gosh I'm a pastor now I can read all this new information it's not like we get a different bible that you guys don't get and we're like oh it's got extra it's got like special notes in the back it's not like we get a login to like this secret website that if you're just feeling a bit flat, you can log into ben.perrin, password, I'm not a pleb, one, two, three. And, and like you log in there and it's like, you know, like I'm glad I'm a pastor now. I've got this special website struggling for revelation this Sunday. Oh, that's me. Like, you know, click on there. Oh, these are all brilliant. My congregation are going to be so blessed. It's, it's not like that. For me, I'm, I'm just preaching stuff I read in the Bible. And then I'm going, God, what do you want me to share? And he goes, oh, that's pretty good. That'll bless someone. How about you speak that over people? That's, I mean, you want prophetic in church. Well, this is it. Then we're actually going to God as preachers going, God, what do, you, what do you want to say to people today? And we listen then to God so that we can speak that to people. But there's no like special thing that we do. This is just reading the same Bible you've got and asking God, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want to say to us? And so the whole point of this is not to impress you with our wit as pastors or preachers or whatever you want to call us. The, the whole point of a preacher is actually just to share something that you would know, not just about God, but that you would know God. And the ultimate message is not that, uh, that I want you to take away is not that Ben's Ben's so cool I want you to take away from this I can get that too and at this point if you read this and got this on your Tuesday morning just I won't ask for hands up but there's at least a, like a grunt like would that be good would you be pumped to get that out of the Bible like yeah, I read this oh cool I mean at this point I think if you got that out of the Bible and, and I know I did when I got this out of the Bible you know I was tweeting everyone look what I read today and making sure I took a photo of like my Bible with you know, the, the, the vista behind it. You know, I, I did that once with a kid's Bible in there and just wanted to see who would pick up, you know, the storybook ones. <laughs> Everyone's like, is that a storybook Bible? Not many people picked up. Everyone just like, oh, he's so holy, Ben. I'm like, it was a joke. But that, you know, on that kind of morning, you're like, I want to impress people with what I got. But here's the thing. If you stop there, you actually miss a really brutal, like amazing bit. And when I read it, I've read this scripture like stacks 
But I've never seen this bit. So for a second, can we just go a little bit deeper and ask a couple more questions? Is that cool? The third character we've missed. So we're talking about soil and we've talked about the seed, but we haven't talked about the sower yet. And the sower is an interesting character because every sower I've ever met, when they sow seed, they're trying to get a maximum reaping. There's no sower who's out there who's just like, don't care if it grows and walk off. And so the whole point of a sower is to get a harvest. You don't sow imagining it's going to fail. And so Jesus, or when he's describing the story, he's actually describing him as a sower. And, and, and for him, you would think he would sow for a maximum reaping. And he knows that there's a soil out of the four selections. There's one soil that will give him 100, 60, or 30% return. And all the other soils, a 0% return. And so what does he do? Well, the story says, he walks along and he throws it in the place it won't grow. Does that not confuse you? It did when I read it. Jesus is saying, I'm the sower and I walk along and I sow on a path. And then I walk along and I see rocky, unprepared soil that won't grow and I put seed there too. And then I walk along to the weed patch or like overgrown patch, I should say. PG. And I sow in the weeds. He's not very good at his job, I'm thinking at this point. Because if you're looking for maximum return, why didn't you just sow here? And ignore that bit of the sowing process and just sow here. See, so many people at this point think, well, if I'm a good boy or a good girl, God sows into my life. And we've heard plenty of messages that if you do the right things, God will sow sow into your life. But this story is saying, I sow everywhere. Now, I find this very interesting because best case scenario is that Jesus as a sower was just oblivious. Like literally, he was like, I'm going to sow some seed. Oh, whoopsie. And then goes, that makes sense to me that as a sower, he's just like got a vision impaired day. He's having like a bad moment day. Like Jesus is a sower. Surely he's like not thinking, oh, this will work. <laughs> oh, great work. <laughs> oh, fantastic. This doesn't make sense. So why does he sow in areas that he's going to see 0% return from? Remember when I said that the whole point of Jesus' teaching was not to know about him, but to actually know him? The point of the story, sure, it was to challenge our heart, but it was also to show the character of God. Because so many people, like I said, think, well, if I'm a good kid, God sows in me. But God's trying to say, it's not like that. Jesus is trying to say, I'm good. And I'll give my goodness to you whether you like it or not. And whether you like me or not. I'm going to go to the people whose lives are so rigid that they won't move for me and I'm still going to sow. And then I'm going to go to the person whose life is dominated by 
disaster and dysfunction and brokenness, I'm still going to sow on them. Why? Because I'm good. Oh, but I'm an atheist. I hate God. Does that change whether he sows into your life or not? No. This story at its heart is not a story about the condition of your heart. It's a story about his heart and his heart towards you. Because you're not a product, uh, 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 you're not a, 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 like a vehicle of production where God's like, I'm going to go and find the best soil. I'm just going to sow into them. And as long as you can give back, I'll sow into you. And if you stop giving back, oh my gosh, if you get one rock in you, I will refuse to throw any seed in your soil. But how many times have you heard that preached? If you don't tick this box, you don't get. But God's trying to paint the picture. And no matter who you are or where you're at, I'm still going to rain my goodness. I'm still going to rain my love. I'm still going to rain upon your life. For some people right now, it's a message to you because you've been feeling whether or not, I don't know if God really likes me. And this story here is to show you that no matter where you're at, God will still rain down His goodness and His grace and His love and His miracles and His power. Still pour out every bit of teaching to you that He can. Why? Because He's good. There's one last verse I want to show you. And says, Romans 5, 6. To see just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Next verse, it says this, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. It's literally saying, if you found someone who's brilliant, amazing, like Nelson Mandela kind of level, like legend status, uh, you might, like if someone had a gun to his head and said, it's you or Nelson, you might take that bullet for him. Why? Because he's, he's, like he's like a good, righteous person. It then says, though, for a good person, so might possibly de- dare to die. So like, a, I mean, like one of your best friends who you respect a little bit, you might take a bullet for them. But then it says this in verse 8. But God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, while we're still the pavement, while we're still in our dysfunction and our inflexibility, it actually goes on and says, while we're still enemies of God, Christ died for us. This whole point of this story is to show the character of God love for you no matter where you're at that he'll rain down his goodness on you no matter where you're at and for some people you've got to understand that it's his responsibility to sow it's then our responsibility to respond and in all these soil types there's a response that comes and for us to go on this journey to be people who get to produce and bless the people around us with the seed that God puts in our life. There's a response in our heart to actually go, you know what, I'm going to soften my heart. I'm actually going to open my life to what God wants to do. And tonight I want to give an opportunity for people to respond to this. Not respond to me, respond to God. So right now with every eye shut, just a moment of privacy, reflection. I just want to pray. God, I thank you right now that your goodness and your love and your grace fall on us no matter what. 
God, that you're constantly pouring out good on our lives. And today, God, no matter where we're at, whether we've been Christian for 30 years or 30 minutes, no matter what stage of the journey we're on, God, that we would realize your character and your goodness. And so today, God, we open up our hearts to what you want to pour into our life. God, we open up our hearts to the journey. We open up our hearts to the challenge.